everybody. Well, hey, listen, welcome. Welcome to New Life. Uh, if you would, just go ahead and find your seats. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. If this is your first time uh, visiting with us, I just wanted to say thanks for being our guest today. I hope that your experience here today is one that is uplifting to you, and it's one that transforms your life. I, I pray that it's a, it's a day, it's a moment, it's an hour and 15 minutes that we share together that radically transforms your week. So as, um, as was mentioned just a moment ago, we are in the last week of our current teaching series, Journey to the Center of God, all right? I, I just pray that uh, you've been learning some things about your own personal life, that you've been noticing some things about your spiritual journey, and that today I help you learn what it means to live at the center of God's will. I don't want you just to get there. God's not interested in you just getting someplace. God's not interested in destinations. You know, God doesn't track your life like humanity tracks your life. Humanity tracks your life by, did you graduate from elementary school? Did you graduate from junior high, high school? Did you go to college? What degree did you get? What level of degree do you have? Then, let me see your resume. And what are all the things that you've accomplished? Destinations in your life that you've been to. God's more interested in, in more of a, a, a continuation. He, he, never, he knows that your life never stops growing in the knowledge and in the understanding of who He is. And God never wants you to stop. He wants you just to keep going and going and going. So God's not about destinations as much as He is about journeys. That's why it's the journey to the center of God. Because that journey is never going to end while you and me are on this earth. So let's just recap really quick. I've been using a little tool that, um, that I, I kind of brought to you. Um, I've, I'm calling it the circle to true life. Now, maybe it will be up on the screen so everyone behind me can see. Maybe not. I, I don't know yet. But um, we'll see. Um, if it is, I apologize if I'm standing in your way. All right, there we go. So um, the circle, remember, represents a boundary. It's a barrier between man's world and God's world. It's a barrier between those two. And remember the circle, the edge of the circle here is putting your faith in God through Christ. Jesus said there's no other way to the Father except through Him, that He is the way and the truth and the life. So if you're here today and you're wondering, how do I build a relationship with God? Well, the only way that happens is by surrendering your life to Christ, recognizing that He came, He is the Son of God, He is God, that He gave His life on the cross, that He was perfect, that He was without sin, and that by dying on the cross for us and rising again to life on the third day, that you and me, if we put our faith in Him, only He can forgive us of our sins. And the forgiveness of our sins is what, is what gets us from man's world into God's world. We refer to God's world as the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. This is where God's principles reign and they rule in our lives. But we both know that you can put your faith in God through Christ and that doesn't make you perfect. So we can live in God's kingdom and we still have flaws. But is that the way God wants to leave us? Is with all of our flaws? By no means. That's why God's trying to get us to the center. The center of His will. No, not where you become perfect, but where you value God transforming your life to look more like His than you making your life look more like the world. See, the downside to Christianity today in America is that a bunch of people want to be in God's kingdom, but they want to live and look like man in man's kingdom. 
And I'm telling you today, that doesn't work. That's a broken, flawed plan. It's a lie from hell itself. You cannot have both. You either are in God's kingdom and you're wanting God to transform your life or live in man's world and live the way man says to live. Live by man's opinions. Live by what man says is really going to make you successful. So my challenge to you today is that, no, I'm not 88 years old. So I'm not coming from, like, my parents' generation who drove, who drove the wagon of, of righteousness and drove it well into my heart. I'm not, I'm not coming from that. But nor am I coming from the 20s where, you know, it's just, hey, whatever feels good, do it. I'm right smack in the middle, and I'm telling you, right smack in the middle right now for my life is a good place to be. I've experienced enough to know where I want to go and where I want to lead. And I've experienced God enough to know where God's trying to take us. And I'm telling you today, with all conviction inside of my heart, that God wants every single one of us to live at the center of His will. And He's not going to stop pulling on us until our days on this earth are done. He's not going to give up. So the question to you and me today is, do you want to live at the center of God's will? And do you want to learn how to sustain life there? I see that there's probably, there's many different journeys, I guess, that you can take to the center of God's will. But there's a couple of them that stand out to me that I thought that I might highlight for you. Um, First off, if you know anything about the orbits, like one planet orbiting something else or a moon orbiting a planet, that you'll know that there's this thing called an elliptical orbit. If you know what an elliptical orbit is, before I give it out and I spoil it, turn to the person next to you and just let them know, I know what that is, all right? Because it will make you feel smarter. Okay. So go ahead and try that. All right. Don't be too prideful about it. All right. We might deal with that later. I don't know. But all right. So um, the the elliptical orbit. The elliptical orbit is basically a person that um, is here at the center, but you know, it's got the, I'm the in close and I'm out far and I'm in close and I'm out far and I'm in close. That's the elliptical orbit of a person that lives at the center. Now, but how did you get there? Well, you got there because at some point in the journey, remember step number one. What did you have to do in step number one? You had to do what? Step over the line. Very good. Or salvation. And then the next phase was doing what? Walking steady. God, man, you guys are, you need to be more confident about yourselves. You've got the info, all right? You got it. And then that's, uh, that's number two, right? So, and then number three happened right here at this critical junction where we turned to 90 and we began to do something. What was that? Right on. Good job. Good job. So now, now we're talking about number four here. We're talking about what it means to live at the center. So we've got some people that are the elliptical orbit people, all right? You're closer to God than you're farther away. And many times, what causes you to have this elliptical orbit where you get close and then you drift away? And you get close and you drift away. It always is going to go back to your independence. There's something inside of you that wants to hang on to what's out in man's world. It's the sinful nature that's inside of all of us. And God's wanting to break that down. Because if you, if you live this elliptical orbit, if you will, around God, getting close, drawing out. Getting close, drawing out. Pretty soon, that becomes the norm. Let me just tell you, what, that also could ha- what also could happen. You could also end up in what science refers to as an escape trajectory. An escape trajectory. Meaning something orbits around something like this. It orbits around, right? 
And then pretty soon it gets too much velocity built up and it, it starts coming out and then it goes out even farther. And before you know it, you're out here someplace and you're, you're, back, you're back to walking. Man, the sad thing is I've experienced people that have been at the center of God's will only to find them later walking. Why? Walking in their faith, drifted so far away and then they're just, they're just out in God's kingdom, just out there, just floating around almost aimlessly without a purpose. I want to tell you something today, that just because you were, just because you were at the center with God, doesn't mean that you are at the center. Just because you were at one point, doesn't mean you are. Just because you were, doesn't mean that that's where you always stay. But there is an effort on our part of continued obedience and continued surrender that keeps us there, or else the elliptical orbit turns into an escape trajectory and you end out drifting around in God's kingdom aimlessly, always wondering to yourself, I was once at the center. How, how did I drift so far? See, the, the journey that I really want you to kind of be on is once you come, once you come zooming in, running straight at God, God's looking at us just getting caught in these, in these circles that just keep getting closer Closer and closer and closer, where we just dissolve. These concentric circles, where we just dissolve ourselves into the very likeness and into the image of who God is. That's what God's looking for out of our lives. We've got a lot of different people here at New Life. There's a ton of different people. We've got, you know, people that are elderly. We've got people that are young. You know, we've got people from multiple different backgrounds, from different countries. We've got a ton of international students that come to our church. How, how do we help every single one of them get to the center of God's will and stay there? How do we help them do that? Let's talk for a moment just about our international students. It's one thing for us to talk in English with those that are most com- we're most comfortable with. But what do we do with the students that God's bringing to us from foreign lands, bringing them to our university? There's hundreds and hundreds of them that are coming. We've got a number of them here in our church. A number of you are working with them. God's br- He's brought the mission field to us. How do we help them get to the center of God's will and live there? How do we help them do that? For the past week and a half, I've had a guest staying with me. His name's Pastor Lee. Pastor Lee is from South Korea. Pastor Lee, he, he has a, a doctorate um, in ministry. He teaches at a theological seminary there. He's taught for the last 21 years the New Testament. Dr. Uh, Dr. Lee works under um, the, the pastor who pastors the largest church in the world. His wife is the head or the president of this university. He works for her. So Dr. Lee is a, is a man that's full of wisdom and full of God's grace, but he's also a man that's full of taking risks with the kingdom. And he's planted three churches, and, he's, and God's given him an incredible vision. And we have been trying to work together to figure out how to help international students get to the center of God's will and live there, abandoning their lives to Christ. I want, I want you to welcome with me to our platform today, um, Dr. and Pastor Lee. Would you do that with me, please? Yes, I've, uh, I've asked these guys to uh, just kind of be up here and to address the issue of you know, how, how do we really help our students get to the center of God's will and, and to live there? 안녕하세요. 저는 어, 이 목사고요. 
여러분과 함께 요한복음 4장 말씀 가지고 함께 은혜를 나눠보도록 하겠습니다 요한복음 4장은 사마리아 사람이 나옵니다 이 여자분은 상당히 어려운 삶을 살았고요 그런데 예수님을 만난 다음에 인생이 바뀌었습니다 선교사의 삶을 살수 있었습니다 His name is Pastor Lee and he is very welcome Kind of is very happy to be here today, and he would like to share the story about John chapter four. So when you read John chapter four, you you know and you see the woman. She's a Samaritan woman and had five husbands. Before she met Jesus, she did not know where she could belong to. The reason she was not a part of the members of her community. was that all of the members of her community thought that she was dirty. After she met Jesus, Jesus was made clean. Then she shared her story with all of her community members. 어, 한국도 이와 같은 상황이었다고 생각합니다. 19세기에는 세계 열강에 의해서 어, 상당히 그 압박을 받는 국가였었고요. 여러분도 아시다시피 1950년대에는 한국전쟁이 발발을 했습니다. 그래서 우리는 가진 것이 아무것도 없었던 마치 사마리아와 사마리아 여인과 같은 사람이었습니다. 그런데 그때 미국 사람인 여러분들이 한국에 오셔서 많은 선교사님들이 한국에 오셔서 예수님을 소개를 했고 그 예수님을 우리 한국 사람들이 만났습니다. 만나서 대한민국이 경제적으로 상당히 부흥을 했습니다. 여러분도 아시다시피 우리나라는 지금 2만 불 이상의 국민소득을 가지고 있고 세계 유수의 회사를 많이 가지고 있습니다. And he liked to connect this Korea with Korea. In 19th century, Korea was surrounded by the powerful country like America, China, and Soviet Union, and so forth. And moreover, the Korea War occurred in 1950s. And uh, after Korea War happened, Korea was uh, one of the poorest countries in the world. And however, America continuously supported Korea. And they sent a lot of missionaries and soldiers to Korea. After 30 and 40 years later, and for now, Korea is one of the powerful countries economically. As you know, Samsung and Hyundai and LG original, originally come from Korea. And furthermore, Korea is the second largest country of the sending their missionary to many countries in the world after America. It's this kind of, you know, when you look at the John chapter 4, kind of the woman, the laws, where she's going into. But America, it's like kind of Jesus. America sending a lot of missionary to Korea. And Jesus walking into the her path and finding her way how she can work into God's kingdom. 아 그렇지만 아직도 우리나라에는 부족한 점이 있습니다. 그것은 많은 사람들이 예수님을 신실하게 따르지 않는다는 것입니다. 많은 사람들이 아직 예수를 믿지 않는 그와 같은 상황이 있습니다. 아 그래서 여러분에게 부탁드리고 싶은 것은 여기 UNK에. 170명의 이상의 학생들이 여기 와 있는데 여러분이 신앙생활 온전히 예수님을 따르는 신앙생활의 모습을 보여주셔서 
그 모습을 우리 학생들이 바라보고 신실한 신앙을 갖고 또 한국에 돌아가서 한국 사회를 기독교 사회로 이렇게 바꾸는 이와 같은 일에 여러분의 도움을 좀 많이 당부드리겠습니다. Still, South Korea, you know, there are many people don't know about God. Even many people believe in God, but their center is not connected to God. And there are many Korean students living in Korea and study at UNK. The main purpose of these students come to Korea to learn English and see how American people are living in the United States. While the past Lee stay in Korea, <clears throat> he haven't seen the many Korean students around here, but they don't know where they have to go. And also, they haven't seen many good, solid Christian people in this church. And that is why he's standing here and asking you guys that Korean students really need you guys to support and help. And he strongly believes that many members of church members are able to help Korean students walking into the center of God's will consistently. So he would like to pray and making these missions happen in Kearney and especially through the New Life Church. 감사합니다. Thank you so much. I think it's a powerful example of America going to Korea and helping a country that was in need during its war and to now see Korea as one of the, one of the premier economic countries of our planet and to not to mention the fact, which I think is the most powerful point that, that these guys made, which is now South Korea sends the second most amount of missionaries around the world, second only to America. Why? Because we went and we gave. What's it going to happen? What's going to happen to our international students that are here? How are we going to help them get to the center of God's will and to live there and to take the message around the world wherever they would go? We're going to have to give and give all that we have. All that we have. So what makes the difference? What's the difference between living at the center of God's will versus stepping over the line or walking uh, walking uh, steady or running straight. What's the main difference? The main difference is when you live at the center of God's will, you get to become part of God's mass. Another scientific principle for you. Greater the mass, greater the gravity. Larger the planet, stronger the gravity. Faster, the larger the planet and the faster it spins, the stronger the gravity is. See, when you give yourself completely to God, you become part of the mass of God. You become part of the gravity of God on this earth, pulling mankind to himself. You become part of the mission of telling the good news of Jesus. And as you tell the good news of Jesus, the kingdom grows. And as the kingdom grows, the gravity of God on the heart of man grows. And more people are pulled into God's kingdom. Why should you get to the center of God's will? Why should you abandon yourself to live there? Why should you give yourself up to say, God, you take all of me. Take all of me. Why should you do that? And why should we help others like these South Korean students? Because it increases the mass of God, which brings the solution of Jesus to the world. What will it take for you and me to get to the center of God's will and to live there? What will it take? It's going to take a few things. Really quick. Number one, it's going to require a lifestyle of sharing your faith. A lifestyle of sharing your faith. Look at what Romans 6, 23. 
has to say. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. God has a free gift. A free gift that He wants the world to know. And it's called eternal life. See, to live at the center of God's will means that you have to find your joy. You find your joy in expressing and extending God's grace of eternal life to others. That's the difference. It's a big difference. It's not just about what you receive. Now it's about, God, what you want to do through me to impact others. And you're going to have to find your joy in extending grace to others. That means you're going to have to get your hands dirty in this world. There's a lot of people that need a lot of grace. But let's not forget who needed it first. You. Me. That's why you can never forget where you came from. You can never forget that you were somebody who needed God's grace in your life first. When we forget that, then we become callous and hard, and we don't find joy in extending God's grace. We find joy in judging others. And that's not what God's called us to do. Nothing is going to grow your spiritual heart. Nothing's going to cause you to find yourself in those concentric circles, being, becoming more and more like Christ than helping someone cross the line of faith. Nothing increases your spiritual journey. You can read all the books you want. You can read all the Bible that you want. But I'm telling you, nothing acts like superhuman fuel to your spiritual journey than the desire to help others cross the line of faith and find relationship with God, to help them walk steady in their faith, and to help them run straight, and to help them stay at the center of God's will. Nothing is going to charge your spiritual life and transform you and change you like helping others in their spiritual journey. That is called discipleship. That's called life coaching. Or that's just called doing life with people. Stats tell us, across the nation, looking at the church of Jesus Christ in multiple different denominations, that people that are living at the center of God's will bring more people into God's kingdom. They help more people cross the line from man's world to God's world than all of the other, all of the other spots in your spiritual journey combined together. See, you might have thought, well, it's the person who steps over the line of faith. It's the person that's learning to walk steady because, man, they're the most connected with the world. They must be helping more people cross over the line just like them. No? No? You take, what, you take all, the, all the lives that they impact and you connect it with all the people that are walking steady and running straight and the people that just stepped over the line. You take all those, combine them together. I'm telling you, people that learn what it means to live at the center of God's will, find a joy of expressing God's grace to the world. They are, they are the ones that are growing God's kingdom at a more rapid pace than anyone else. Why should you get to the center of God's will and stay there? Because you're going to rapidly grow God's kingdom. So what could you do? What can you do to help share your faith? Draw your circle often. I've heard so many stories of people in our church over this past month that have been drawing their circle on napkins at restaurants. They've been drawing them for friends. They've been showing people their spiritual journey and having their friends show them theirs. It's been, it's been radical, What the stories that I've heard. It's just been amazing. Our youth ministry pastors have grabbed a hold of it, and they've been teaching it to their high school students and you know to our college students. It's just been crazy what God's been doing with this. Never stop drawing your circle. It's a circle to true life. It's the circle to Christ. Never stop it. What else was it going to take for you to stay at the center of God's will? Well, the second thing is you're going to have a, have a self-denial or a self-driven abandonment of God's Spirit. A self-driven abandonment to God's Spirit. Look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 73. It says, Whom have I in heaven but you, God? I desire you. 
more than anything on earth. Who have I in heaven but you? I desire you, God, more than anything on on earth. It has to be a self-driven abandonment to God's spirit. There's no joy on this earth or in heaven without God. You just have to come to that understanding that I'm not going to find any more joy on this earth if I don't find it in God. I'm not going to find any joy in heaven if it's not God-centered. You've got to find joy, that means, in God's wisdom and in God's timing and in God's ways. Yeah, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it's difficult. Even when it seems like the world is against you and you're like, God, but I'm going to trust your timing. I'm going to trust your ways. God, I'm going to trust your wisdom. Living at the center and staying there means that the world will shake around you, but your hope is in God's wisdom, in God's timing, and in God's ways. And today, if you're here and you're guessing and you're second guessing and you're challenging God based on his timing and his wisdom and his ways, I'm telling you, let that argument go. Let that argument go. It's what's going to help you get to the center of God's will and stay there. Yeah, but I don't understand and I want an answer. I know you do. But not everything on this earth is going to give you an answer. Yeah, but if God's in control, then why does this have to happen? I don't know. I don't have all those answers. But I trust God's wisdom his timing, and his ways. If you want to get to the center, stay at the center, then you're going to have to live your life with the attitude of God's in complete control, and I'm going to trust him. Like the psalmist said, I desire you more than anything else on this earth. Your heart has to come to a point where you say, God, I desire you more than anything on this earth. I desire you more than I even desire this church. And I love coming to this church, and I love gathering here. But this church should become an extension of, of you living at the center of God's will and not a crutch. It shouldn't be a crutch for you. If this church disappeared tomorrow and all the churches in Carney disappeared tomorrow, would you abandon God? If we were told tomorrow we can no longer gather in places like this and worship God, like it happens in some countries around this world, would you abandon Him? If you're going to live at the center and stay at the center of God's will, you have to be abandoned to God's Spirit and nothing can become your crutch. Nothing on this earth, not a man, not a spouse, not a church, nothing can become your crutch. Only God and God alone. To live at the center means, God, my whole trust is in you and I'm fully abandoned to you. The third thing that you're going to have to look at that's going to help you live at the center of God's will is that you're going to have to seek revelation through the Bible. Seek revelation through the Bible. Psalms 119 says it this way. It says, remember your promise to me, God. It is my only hope. Your promise, it revives me. It comforts me in all of my troubles. Your promise or your word, God. Your word is my hope. Your word revives me. And your word comforts me in all of my troubles. Seek revelation through the Bible. The Bible must become the the instrument that sustains your passion. It can't be a worship service. A worship service can't be what sustains your passion. It can be part of it, but it can't be all of it. A friendship with another believer, that can help sustain it, but it can't be all of it. There's a lot of things in this world that are going to become little pieces, but what has to become the foundation of your relationship with God? That you... You find your passion for God being sustained through His Word. It can't be about emotions. 
It can't be about a sermon that stirs you up and gets you all fired up and you go out the door. That can be part of it. But what sustains your passion? God's Word. God's Word alone. Why? Because it's in God's Word that God's Spirit speaks one-on-one with you. It's in God's Word that you find life. It's in God's Word that you find the answers to life. But it has to become what sustains your passion. Let me ask you a question today. Have you ever lost $100? What if you lost a $100 bill? You went to the bank, you got a $100 bill, you took it home, and man, you had big plans for this $100 bill. It was going to do more than even what $100 could do. Right? You had it all mapped out, you brought it home, and then it got time to take the $100 and spend it. But you couldn't find it. How hard would you search for the $100? Would you search pretty hard for it? I hope you do. If you don't, then please listen. There's a lot of places and there's a lot of people that could use your money if you wouldn't search for 100 bucks. There's a lot of needy people that could use it. All right, but let's take it back. Let's go to another level. Let's go to a level that is going to really hit all of us. Let's say you were given a million dollars and you lost it. It was in your house. You think. You're not sure. It might be in your car. It could be at the last place that you were at, but you lost a million dollars. How hard would you search for a million dollars? Would you go without sleep to find a million dollars? Would you go without eating to find a million dollars? If you knew you had it and you lost it, what would you do to find it? Just about anything, wouldn't you? Inside of God's Word is a treasure every day that's like a million dollars. God wants you to search His Word to sustain your passion as if you lost a million dollars in it. He wants you to search it, dig into it. Your God, what are you saying to me today? What are you wanting to speak to my heart? How do you want to transform me? How do you want to change me today? When you search in God's Word, I want you to search, search for God's heart. When you read God's Word, go, God, show me a piece of your heart. That's the treasure that's worth a million dollars. I also refer to that as God's character or His nature. When you, would go, when you would go to a passage like what Pastor Lee brought out in John chapter 4, and you're, you're looking at Jesus as he's, he's ministering to this woman, this woman at the well who is a Samaritan. What do you see about the heart and the character of Jesus? Because whatever you see about the heart and the character of Jesus, he wants to live out inside of you. That's like a treasure worth a million dollars. So when you read, don't just read for a story. Don't just read to check a box and go, I finished that chapter. Don't just read out of obligation. Read with the attitude of God. There's a million dollars worth of wealth in here today. And it's all found in discovering your heart. I want to know your heart. Read that way. As a church, as we've been going through this circle to true life, you've found that there's four stages to your spiritual life. And so we printed these four stages for you in a pamphlet that you got when you walked in the door. Would you grab that for me really quick? This pamphlet kind of shows you the first stage is the step. The step over the line, right? And you're going to see that logo. And then I just wrote a simple little statement below it. And yes, there is a hidden, a hidden secret S on the end of a word that shouldn't be there. If you find it, go to the Welcome Center and they'll give you a piece of candy. Okay. Now, with that said, there is also, when you open it up, what's the second step? What's the second phase? Yeah, if you open it up, you can read it. It's easy. What's the second phase? Wow, thank you. I still have three people. That's awesome. Did our ushers not give these out? 
Do you have one of these? If you do, just wave it at me. Praise God. Man, next January, we're going to have a class on literacy. Okay. All right. Literacy of the Bible. All right. Um, no, so the second one is walk, and you're going to see this logo. This logo is going to show up all kinds of places around our church. Then the next one is what? Yes, man. You guys must like to run. Okay. And you're going to see the running man. He's going to show up. A nice little statement below it to remind you of that phase. Then look at the back. It's my most favorite. It's the, it's the cross inside of the circle. It's the center of God's will. Your life looking more like his life. And what's significant about what I just gave you? These four logos. Our whole church is going to be built around these four, these four icons. These icons are symbolic. They're symbolic to the four different stages of your spiritual journey. We're going to build Christian education classes that happen on Sunday morning around these four stages. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to decide where are you at in your spiritual journey. And then you're going to, you're going to find that logo. Because that logo will be on the printed material for our Christian education classes. And if you're a person that needs to step over the line of faith, then you're going to want to attend the class that has the footprint. If you're a person that's trying to live your life, you know, running straight at the center of God, then you're going to want to attend classes and go to life groups and go on missions trips and be a part of ministries where you see the running man logo. Because the running man logo means that the ministry, the life group, or the Christian education class is strategically designed for you in mind. If you're trying to live your life at the center of God's will, and that's where you feel like spiritually, you've kind of grown to that place. Then when you see the circle with the cross in the middle, those are the classes, life groups, and missions trips, and all kinds of things that we offer. Those are the kinds of things you're going to want to attend. So I'm just telling you, this is an early snapshot of what 2014, 2015, 2016 is going to bring our church. And you're going to see these logos over and over again. These are going to become like the legend on a map. These are going to be the legend of your spiritual journey. Look for these logos. We're going to design things around them to help you grow. Why? In my last couple minutes with you, I want to remind you of what we're trying to do here. What are the type of people we're trying to build ourselves to become? What does the center of God's will really look like? It looks like Jacob wrestling with the angel in Genesis chapter 32. It says this about Jacob wrestling with the angel of God says, then he said, the angel said, let me go for the day has broken. He wrestled all night long and he said, the sun's coming up. Let me go, Jacob. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What does it mean to live at the center of God's will? What kind of godly biblical attitude must you have? You got to have the attitude of Jacob. It says, I'm not going to let go of you, God. I'm going to be persistent no matter what comes down the pike. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to wrestle. In this world, hanging on to you, because if I hang on to you, I hang on to life. That's the attitude of a new lifer. That's the attitude of what the person is we're trying to create here and drag to the center of God's will. The person that hangs on to God and with a tenacity, they grab a hold of God and they don't let go with a persistence. Or like Moses in Exodus chapter 33. Where God's been walking with Moses and he's been, he's been leading them out of Egypt and leading them to the promised land. But Moses is the leader of a people that are cold in their heart. God says to them, you're a stiff-necked people. If I go with you, destruction is going to come on you. But I'm going to keep leading you. I'm just going to lead you by an angel. But you don't want me to go with you because I'm telling you, I am, I'm really in my heart. I'm just telling you, you guys, you guys are wicked in a lot of ways. 
And Moses said to him, we're not taking another step from this place where we're camped unless you go with us, God. The attitude of a person that's living at the center of God's will is the attitude of a Moses who says, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. I'm all in. Or you get nothing, God. God's looking for people to be all in, all in. Or what about Abraham, who gets his son Isaac finally? He's been praying for, longing for, and God blesses him with a son. And as the son grows, then God says to him one, one day, uh, Abraham, I want you to take your son. I want you to go sacrifice him on top of a mountain. I know it sounds, it sounds brutal. I got it. But listen, when, when God leads him, and Abraham takes his son up there, and Abraham builds the altar, and he's ready to sacrifice his own son, then God provides a ram from the sacrifice. It was a test on Abraham's heart. But what do we find about Abraham, the man who lives at the center and stays there? He's willing to give God his best. Are you willing to give God your best? Because that's what it means to live at the center. How about this one? The widow who gave all that she had. Jesus, one day in Mark chapter 12, was sitting at the temple. And he was watching people give. And the rich came and they gave big offerings. And then this widow came and she gave just a couple of Just a couple of coins. By the way, did you catch what Jesus was doing? He was sitting there watching people give. It's crazy. What would it be like if they passed the plate and I watched you give? That's crazy. But that's where Jesus was at, watching people give. And when he saw this woman give these two little mites, he says to his disciples in Mark chapter 12, Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I tell you the truth, guys. This poor widow um, has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Everything she had to live on. Man, that's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for a person that says, it all belongs to you. It all belongs to you. Last but not least, our prime example of what it means to live at the center of God's will is Jesus himself. He's the ultimate example. He gave his life on the cross. Let's not forget, Jesus is the most revolutionary, the most shocking, the most risk-taking individual who's ever walked on the face of the earth. He said the most profound things. He shocked the very core of man. Jesus was the best example of what it meant to be alive on this earth. And sadly, Christianity over the years has taken the most exciting, revolutionary, risky, faith-setting, kingdom-minded message that Jesus preached and has broken it down to its most boring pieces. It's no wonder the world doesn't want to follow Jesus. Because we don't look anything like Him. We don't sound anything like Him. We don't live anything like Him. The world doesn't want to follow Jesus because it's boring. What the world needs and what God's looking for in His kingdom is a bunch of people that would come back to the essence of what it means to put faith at risk. To take a faith in Christ and to risk it all. And to go all in Say, God, it all belongs to you. It was all yours in the first place. My life's not my own anymore. God, the little bit that I have, I give it to you. I want to live my life not just shocking the world. I want to live my life bringing the world to you. That's where life is lived. Ask the elderly in our church. Ask the elderly anywhere. 
hey, if you could live your life over again, what's one thing that you would do? What do you find is the number one answer? If you could live your life over again, what's one thing that you would do? You know what you hear from a lot of them? I would risk more. I would risk more. Let's not live our lives to the end of our days to only look at them and go, I wish I would have risked more for Jesus. I wish I would have spent my life more for Jesus. I wish that I wouldn't have lived as selfish. I wish that I wouldn't have lived as safe. I wish that I would have prayed with more faith. I wish that I would have loved with more grace. I wish that I would have got out there and shared my faith more boldly. I wish that I would have given more. I wish that I would have spent my life for him. I wish that the legacy of my life wasn't one I was trying to make up for everything at the end, but that the legacy of my life, if I died today, would be one that said he lived his life full on, all out. He gave it all for Jesus. Why don't you stand with me today? Just bow your heads with me and just an attitude of prayer. God's asking us to take our faith and to put it at risk. God's asking us to give it all. God's asking us to abandon ourselves and just to slowly decay our old life, our soulish life, into His life. So that we look more and more like Him every Sunday that passes. Every time we search His Word for the treasure that's found in it. But where are you at today? Where are you at today? Are you living at the center of God's will or are you living out on the outskirts? Are you content walking or do you want to run after God? Are you content running or do you want to give it all? Where are you at today? Because at every one of those four stages, the same question, God comes to us and knocks on our heart. Are you willing to give it all to step over the line and put me first? Are you willing to give it all to learn how to walk steady? Are you willing to give it all to learn how to run straight? Are you willing to give it all to dissolve yourself into the center of my will? It's the same question at all four stages. The price just gets greater. But the reward becomes greater. Let's give it all to Him today. I'm going to pray. When I'm done praying, these altars are a place. The front of our auditoriums are a place for you to come and just go, God, I'm giving it all to you. These altars are a place for the hungry. People that go, God, my life is in your hands. I'm giving it all to you. Father, here we stand before you. We come in the name of Jesus. We come proclaiming your truth. We come speaking that you and you alone bring life. We come proclaiming that, God, we know you're bringing us to the center and you're not going to ever stop giving up on us. You look past our faults. You look past our sin. You look past all of those things. And you go, I want you in the center of my will. God, you want us there more than we ever could want to be there. Only you can sustain life at the center. Only you can sustain life where we abandon it all to you. It feels like the more we give up, the less we're going to have. But the more we give up, the more you empower what's in our hands. And what's in our hands brings contentment. So Lord, we give our lives to you today. We abandon ourselves to you. May you be our one and only passion. In Jesus' name, amen.